Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from the book of Jeremiah. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Jeremiah chapter 26. Now, we're going to cover a little bit of this. We've covered a little bit, I should say, from uh, chapter 7. So remember, Jeremiah isn't chronological. It's not the way we're going to follow. You read Jeremiah and try and lead it chronologically, you're really going to get lost. But what he's doing here is he's giving us greater detail. And the things he spoke about in chapter 7 were the judgment that was coming upon Judah. They weren't listening. We'll see a little bit of that today as he reminds him. But really, the, the emphasis here is the hostility towards the messenger, which is Jeremiah the hostility that they have towards him. He's given this message to them at the temple, uh, and um, the people are just coming against him. Not just the people, but the religious leaders. Those who should be in tune with God are not in tune with God. Those who should be leading aren't leading. Those who should be listening, the people weren't listening to the right things, and so they were going on emotions and everything else. They were going by false doctrine and all of these things. So Jeremiah here, we pick it up in verse 1. He, he's commanded to speak, and he says, In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, this is the second king after Josiah. He had Josiah and Jehoahaz. Remember I mentioned this last week. You can get lost in them all. Jehoiakim, then Jehoiachin, then Zedekiah. So you have all these kings coming after Josiah. He says, the, uh, the, In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came from the Lord. And again, Jeremiah is preaching this message that the word is judgment. I mean, it's, the word is judgment. He's calling them straight out. Look, and I, I have a word from the Lord, and the word that I have for you is not for your favor unless you obey. You're going to escape this, but it's going to be judgment. And sadly, you know, not just I think in these days, but even today you talk about judgment. This is what it is. It's, it's kind of you hear this time after time going through Jeremiah. But, but again, taking different emphasis as he is tonight on why he's writing what he's writing, why he's saying what he's saying here. When we talk about judgment, people don't want to hear it, and rightfully so, right? I mean, who wants to hear judgment? Many don't want to hear it. They'd rather just be left alone, live their lives the way they, you know, they want to live them. Don't disturb me. But Jeremiah is a man who was, remember, he was a young man when he was called into the office uh, of a prophet, and God put, said, you, you know, you, Jeremiah made some excuses, but he says, you know, you're the one I've chosen. I knew you before time began. I knew that I was going to call you. You have that calling upon your life, and I need you, you to go be faithful. And you're going to go out, and you're going to confront these people by speaking the truth in love. I mean, it's the same thing today. We have to speak the truth in love, Right? And Jeremiah is to be faithful in that, speak the truth in love. And, it's, you know, nobody likes talking about judgment. I, I would rather talk about the grace of God all day. But I'm going to tell you, I see the grace of God in judgment today. Why? Because what we see is there is going to be judgment at the end, but we see the grace of God is for today. We have the opportunity to herald the message of the gospel, which is his grace. We still live in the age of grace that spares people from the wrath that is to come. So we, though we don't like, I don't really care to speak on judgment. I see a lot of grace in it because we're still living, breathing is air. We're not in the tribulation. And uh, many, though, don't like it. It goes against the flow of their lives. But I'm just, it's like a life preserver. You know, I made mention of this before. People are dying out there and you throw them the, uh, the only life preserver that has air in it, which is Jesus Christ. They're like, I don't want that one. That's the only one that has air. I want another one. You have to give me another one. I'm entitled for another one. You know, you're not entitled for anything, <laughs> you know, but by the grace of God. So you, you look, you're going to go down to Debbie Jones locker down at the bottom of the deep blue, but you better grab on because Jesus is the answer. And that's, that's just it. You, you know, you better watch out. And so in verse two, Jeremiah says, he says, I have this word from the Lord saying, thus says the Lord, stand in the courts, uh, the court of the house of the Lord. Again, speaking of chapter seven, when he was there. And speak to all the cities of Judah which come to worship in the, in the Lord's house. And again, it's pretty sad because you see what they're doing. They're coming to worship. And what are you worshiping if you don't have truth? 
What are you worshiping if you're not hearing from God? What are you worshiping if you have a, a chance to open your Bibles, but nobody's teaching it? What are you worshiping? Is it just faith itself? Is it a feel-good, you know, kind of atmosphere? Because to have truth, to have worship, worship is a, um, in the Greek, it, it means to lean forward as to kiss, proskuneo. And it's, it's being intimate with God. Well, what are you going to be intimate with if you have nothing to have truthful in your, that's there? There's no God. God's not there. They're not worshiping God. But it says that they're coming to worship. But the sad thing is, that's what they say. <clears throat> but their lips are far from him. Remember the Lord would say this, all these people, they, they, or their hearts are far from him. They say they worship me with their lips. They got that down. They got all this noise down. But their hearts are far from me. It's like what Jerem, or what Timothy was saying in 2 Timothy 3.5. They have a form of godliness, but denying its power. It's a form of godliness. They're like opening the doors, going into the church, saying, yeah, I got my Bible, boom. But I, I have no, I, I'm, I'm disconnected. They have no relationship. Nothing's going to change their life because they don't want it changed. They're so stubborn and set in their ways that the moment they leave out the door, that that's the way they're going to do. They're going to live their life. This is going to be normal. Here's the thing. What do people talk about? Take notice of this. Now you guys will all change for Sunday. Take notice of this. What is the first thing that comes to mind after people, when you get in a conversation with them after service Sunday? I mean, the Lord has just spoken. It's interesting, the conversations that go on sometimes, you know? Interesting to see, hey, how big was that fish? Or, you know, I'm just throwing something out there. I have to pick on a fisherman because I don't catch fish. There's just something out there, you know, there's, there's just something. Like, the Lord has just spoken. We were just in his presence. We walk out those doors, and it's like, boop. Well, let's not keep him in here. Let's take him home with us. And we don't want just this form of godliness, you know. It's sad when people will do that even today. They'll come to church, and they'll, they'll with all the wrong motives, Ezekiel looked down through the people, and the, the angel took him and said, now look at the temple, and the temple, the people, he says, watch this. The spirit was removed and the people in the temple were just going about their business. That's a pretty sad statement. When the, when the operation will continue without God there. I pray that when God leaves, I'm out of here. When God is not here, I'm out of here. I pray that we're so favored that it would be during a rapture. God just says, you know what, let's get out of here. But what about, you know, just that, that thing. You think about some of the churches today you go into and they have, you know, uh, Things that are so anti-Bible, biblically. But they have people there. And they're singing kumbaya with one another. As if they're, they're, everything is okay. And I, I, I mean, I just don't, I, I don't get it, but I, I understand they're lost. But it's like there's a church and you're leading people astray. That's what's happening here. In verse 2, again, all the words that I command you to speak, he says to them, do not diminish. Do not, it means to shave off. Don't cut off. You know, it's like the in-laws are in, kind of thin, you know. Listen, uh, don't shave off or don't lessen or don't withhold uh, a word that I'm telling you, Jeremiah. And you think about that. Jeremiah just isn't this guy that got beamed down from heaven and he has no relationship with anybody there. He has family. Got to be family, friends, acquaintances. But when it comes to the work of God, it cuts through the thick. He's like saying, listen, this is what I want you to do. And I don't want you to change this word at all. I want you to tell them everything that I'm telling you. Don't leave anything out. Don't leave, you know, don't turn from the right or turn to, from the left. Don't do any of that. Don't neglect to give them the fullness of what I'm giving you, Jeremiah. Because it was important. You see, I think it's important that not only Jeremiah, but even today that we handle the full counsel. I want everything that God has to say. Not just a series on... Seven days make one week, and we're going to go and I don't know what they, I don't know what it is. But listen, God loves those who have backslidden, and they need to hear his word. They need to hear why they're in the position that they're in. Sometimes it doesn't make us feel comfortable, but it's the thing that God is saying. He's saying, you know, I want you to give them everything in this word. I want you to tell them all about me. I want you to name out this condition. I want you to talk about women's role in the church, whether you like it or not. I just said that because of Sunday. <laughs> In our culture today, it seems that, you know, it's hard to, at times to bring forth the word of people who have a history not wanting to hear anything. Anything from the Lord, that is. 
But we're to be faithful. Even though the world is changing out there, it, we can't water it down. It's, it's still the grace of God. It's still that, you know, God loves you and he cares for you. He died for you. The same blood that washed me washes you. It's the same thing. And it's repentance. It's turning from. It's not just confession. It's turning from. It's repenting. And so people, you know, they don't want to hear about those things. People don't want to hear about my responsibilities. Like I said, everything's entitlement. Everything is, well, I got this. I'm entitled to this. They don't want to hear about the dangers and the warnings that come with same-sex marriage. Or they don't want to hear that abortion is murder. They don't want to hear these things. They just, no, 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 no. It's a woman's body or it's a, you know, that's, they're in love. Like they're in lust, sad, sick lust. But they don't want to hear anything that comes from their creator, the one that created them. And I took the little, I call it my toaster car. I took it into the shop. It had a 7,500-mile checkup, about six-year-old car. And it had, it had no miles on it. I took it in there. I said, you know, it's supposed to be one of those ones that just turns off. It just turns off. So I, I, I'm taking it to the dealer, you know, the, the, the maker, not the maker, but the shop of the maker. And I said, you know, it, it's supposed to turn off. Whenever you put the brake on, you come to a complete stop. It's supposed to turn off, save you gas. It ruins your starter, but it's supposed to save you gas. And, and they go, and at the end of it, I go, hey, did you check that out? They go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, this thing, listen, let me just tell you about it. If it doesn't, if you just have the, um, if you have too much like the fan on, maybe the radio on, the windshield wipers on, the lights on, it's draining too much. It's never going to turn off like that. I said, oh, so it's not meant to do what it's supposed to do. <laughs> But also God knows what we're, he wants us to do. So he's the one that's given us a manual for life. And we go to him and say, Lord, what do you think about this stuff? Oh, that's been settled in heaven. Oh, that's been settled. And in verse 3, he says, perhaps everyone will listen. Again, he's coming from the idea of already spoken this from chapter 7. But he's reminding us, every, everyone listen and turn from his evil ways. God knew that they weren't going to turn. Um, that I may relent concerning the calamity which I purpose to bring on them because of the evil of their doings. And you shall say to them, thus says the Lord, if you will not listen to me to walk in my law, which I have set before you, to heed the words of my servant, the prophet, whom I sent to you, both rising up early and sending them, but you have not heeded, then I will make this house like Shiloh, and I will make this city a curse to all the nations of the earth. And so... Here you have Jehoiakim ascended to the throne in about 609 BC. <clears throat> and that date gives us, again, going back to chapter 7. So it kind of really makes it clear that he was speaking about what he was speaking about. And so this is a message that he's given them, again, at the temple. He's got the word from the Lord, and he's speaking to them clearly. And as I mentioned the focus here in chapter 26 is to focus on the response of the people. Response that they would, you know, how they're going to respond to this. So the purpose of the message was to get them to listen. Guys, you got to listen. God would say there's pending judgment. And, and, and the reason why he gave the message was so that they might turn from their evil ways. It was, this kind of slam dunk. If they would repent, it would, they would turn from their evil ways. And God, pro, as God promised that he would not bring this disaster upon them. And so the heart of God is always wanting them to change, to turn. He's always wanting us to walk that straight and narrow path. He wants us to walk with him and not in the world. There's dangers in the world. He says, watch it. There's a lot of dangers out there to so keep on a straight and narrow path. There's nothing wrong with it. We sang that song. I love it. Christ is enough for me. He's enough. What else do we need? What else do we need in life to make us satisfied, to make us happy, to make us thrilled? In the seventh chapter of Jeremiah, let me remind you what the Lord spoke earlier. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts, <clears throat> beginning of verse 3, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. This is what he wanted, wanted them to do. Do not trust in these lying words, saying, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. Remember, that's what they do. They're hiding behind the temple. Oh, this great temple of ours. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doing, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you do not oppress the stranger, the father is the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place or walk after other gods to hurt you, then I will cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I have gave your fathers forever and ever. And again, so he's been telling them this. 
But the people are going to respond. I don't know how you react when God touches you in your heart and tells you to do something. We all respond in one way or another, right? There's been some times that God has gotten a hold of me, and I'm just like, oops, Lord, forgive me. Let me make some phone calls. So the people are going to respond, and what are they going to do? They're going to try and kill the messenger. Remember, you can always kill, try and kill the messenger, but there's going to be another messenger. God will send another one and another one. In verse 7, it begins, it says, So the priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. Did you catch that? He's the, the priests, the prophets, the supposed leaders of this time. They're, they're not listening, and they're rejecting God. They're going to church, synagogue. They're going to synagogue. And, and you know what? Uh, they're hearing, they, you think they're hearing from the Lord, but the people saw them doing this religious work, and they said, oh, that's got to be good. Nobody's ever doing anything about that. So why don't we just continue doing what we're doing? And sadly, you think about it today as well, because you have priests, you have all, the priests and the prophets, and all the people were following them. They heard what Jeremiah was saying, but they didn't respond. Again, a lot of people professing to hear from the Lord. Today we have that. It's called the School of the Supernatural. It comes from Redding, California. And then they, they teach people how to read people's mail, in other words, you know, how to speak rhema to them. And it's like dangerous. It's like, and people want to fit in. It's like years ago when people wanted to be spiritual, they'd start speaking in tongue because it was the least accountable gift. Very beautiful gift, very wonderful gift. But they, you know, when people in the congregation or with many people just start babbling and uh, whatever they were doing, barking or whatever it was, people, anybody can do that. And everybody, nobody was interpreting it, you know, and it was just a mess. And, and even today, so you have these school of the supernaturals where people are out there teaching people how to speak in the lives of people. Like, are you kidding me right now? You're taking a place of the Holy Spirit? God can do that. And you think about that, but that's what's happening. Here you have these priests and prophets and the people. They heard, but they weren't listening. And, and look at why they're there. Look at where they're at, I should say. They're in the house of the Lord. Again, there's such deception going on there. There's such deception because it tells us that these people were used in the religious places of the world at this time. People were looking at them. They were seemingly making an impact for the kingdom of God, but in reality, they were wolves in sheep's clothing, and nobody was doing anything about it. Look, at if this doesn't match this, then get out of that. Right? I mean, we have to have some accountability. We have to have a lot of accountability, but it's got to be what the Word of God, what is the Word of God saying? Nobody was listening. And the people... Then they were just standing up and just giving this message, and people were buying into it. Well, nobody wanted to hear judgment was coming, so somebody would get up and say, peace, peace, oh, I'd rather have that service. I mean, remember in the 80s, the late 80s, early 90s, they started becoming seeker sensitive in the church. They didn't want to mention the blood of Jesus. Matter of fact, the groups, and, and uh, they'd have seminars on this, that if you go to church, if you go to, go to church, pastors, tone it down. People don't want to hear the gory stuff. They don't want to hear about the blood. They don't want to hear about the sacrifice. They don't want to hear about sin. And you're going to keep them and your church will grow if you just keep it sugary and spice and everything nice. That's what they're doing. But when we do that, we're not telling them the whole truth. We're leaving out Jesus, as a matter of fact. And so we got to be cautious that you're standing by the pulpit, they're opening the, their, their Bibles, they're being able to articulate some words from the pages of the Bible, but they don't mean that, it doesn't mean that they're following the Lord. And guess what? Many people are being deceived. They're following them. Just like it was today. It's no different. It's because the guy has a collar or wears a suit or whatever. You know, just because he has a Bible and he's called a reverend, whatever they call him, reverend or pastor even, whatever. You know what? They, it's got to come from the word. Give them the word of God. You know, these people are trusting their leaders without checking things out for themselves. And that's why they're being deceived. And even it's happening today. Verse 80 says, now it happened when Jeremiah had made an end of the speaking of all, the, all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, that the priests and the prophets and all the people seized him saying, you will surely die. <laughs> this is like what they do the, the truth, even when Jesus was there, right? 
Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without an inhabitant? All the, and all the people were gathered against Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. This is so much like when the apostles got their start. So much like that. You know, hey, we want to tell you, don't ever preach in that name again. Why? Because it's the truth. Again, religious leaders coming against Peter and John, telling them, you guys need to tone it down a little bit. You guys need to, you know, not, not be preaching in that name. They're turning cities right side up. Actually, they said upside down. But in Acts chapter 4, it says, so they called them and commanded them. The leaders called Peter and John, commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. What are you going to do? These are guys that have some clout in the city, religious leaders. What are you going to do? And it says, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things that we have heard. Uh, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. I don't know what you're going to try and tell me to do. Or you're going to get me to silence it, but I'm going to preach the word. I think the days are coming. Uh, several years ago, we were threatened with hate speech. Romans can't speak that. And there was a threat. And I think in Canada, it still might, I'm not sure, I'll check into it, but Canada was struggling with some of that as well. But listen, the opposition is always going to cause a commotion when it comes to the truth being taught. Why? Because they just, they're, they're anti-Christ. They just want to live their life the way they want to live it. And they don't want to live for truth. And you and I, who are going to live for truth, we're going to have to stand up. And again, not to be obnoxious, but we have the answer to mankind. We know that they're blind. So how would we help a blind man? Very carefully. Or a blind person. Very carefully. We're not going to react in ways to where we're going to you know, get upset at them. I'm just like, okay, you're blind, so let's help you through this. You know, how would you, uh, somebody once said, what would you do if a blind man stepped on your toe? You're going to kick him and shout at him and say, well, come on, watch where you're going. No. Oh, excuse me, I was in the way. And, oh, excuse me, but when it comes to the blind of the world, it's like, hey, excuse me, you're not seeing things correctly. Let me help you out a little bit here. You see, when the, in verse 10, it says, when the prince of Judah heard these things, they came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord and sat down in the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. And the priests and the prophets spoke to the princes and all the people saying, this man deserves to die for he has prophesied against the city against, uh, as, as you have heard with your ears. Now, as, as I stated earlier, I started talking judgment. The people, they don't want to hear it. They get upset. It would be like you and I turning and saying the judgment is coming on America. Well, guess what? Judgment is coming on America. That'll come on this world. And that's just the way it is. We're, you know, what did I say? I think there's 650,000 abortions from 2013 to 2013, just in the U.S. alone, uh, on average in those years, 13 to 16, 42.5 million abortions last year worldwide. That's crazy. You, know, you think God's going to close a blind eye to this stuff? There's going to be a time, and I pray, you know, it's, I pray it's soon, that we're out of here. And those people that say, get out of here, put this guy to death, I don't want to hear anything like that, that they can have their say. They can take it up with God, because that's who they're fighting. I'm just a messenger. You know, I'm tapping on your door. Mailman, ting, ding, here you go. And I'm as American as American can be. I was born here, I love it. Born in the, the finest city in the United States. I love it. But you know, when it, when it comes to being truthful, San Diego is just kindling. It's kindling for the Lord. I mean, it's just the way it's going to be. So, uh, you know, one day the Lord's going to destroy this world, and he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. A new heaven, why? Because there was a confrontation where it was defiled when Lucifer was there, right? And then the second, you think about the new earth, well, what about the new earth? Well, just look. <laughs> it's corrupt. I am done with There's so much bloodshed on this world and this earth. And so a new heaven and a new earth. I look forward to it. Now, the charge brought against Jeremiah was that he was a false prophet. Okay, so they're claiming, because they're not getting what they want to hear, they're saying, you're false. Now, if you went into a secret-sensitive church and took a message like this, they'd kick you up. all of a sudden your mic goes, guys back there going, you're done, buddy. 
But but it's it's true. They're talking you're talking judgment, and the people they don't want to hear that. The people of this time, and this is really a warning of love. I, I I say in my opinion because God loves them enough to warn them. What if He didn't warn them? I mean, that would be cruel. Why did you tell me there was a stop sign there? You know. And he also shows his love in the fact that he sent his son to die for the sins of the world. Amen? I mean, that's how much he loves us. The cruel, idiotic, hated, uh, sin-filled world that we live in. And, and, I, and I added a lot to it before Christ. I'm still not proud that I still sin, but that's just the way it is. I sin less. But, but in that, you think of how ugly you helped make the world with your sin like I did. And Christ said, I'll die for that. Incredible. Blows me away. And see, the charge again was brought that he was a false prophet because they weren't getting to hear what they wanted to hear. And it wasn't favorable, it wasn't palatable. What do you mean judgment? What do you mean judgment? I don't want to hear judgment. I want to hear something sugary. You know what? Uh, the city, the temple, Jeremiah would say, it's going to become desolate and deserted. So what are you going to do? And obviously they believed that such a prophecy, that wasn't going to come from God because we're his people, this is the city of God, this is the temple of God, all this stuff. So they're hiding behind the physicalness of the world and of their location, of their relationship, uh, behind the physical stuff to keep them, uh, you know, in right standing, thinking, no, oh, he won't do anything to us. Now, I remember going to um, Mississippi. We went down to do some Katrina work. And uh, we were down there, it was called the Rock Church in Pascagoula, Mississippi. And we kind of transformed the church. The church was in water. We, they mucked it out, tore up the carpet. And we, and we made it a place, really, so you could stay. It was like a, a barrack. Turned the baptismal, they had a baptism up on the stage, and we turned that into a shower and, and just stuff like that. But the pastor said, and I'll never forget this, he said they had a big clothing thing out there. They had food. Everything was... He said, uh, you know what, what's interesting, I go, man, everybody come by, hey, pastor, good to see you, I'm just picking up supplies. He goes, yep, it's there, 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 what do you need, this, that, and he pointed him in the right direction. Well, I said, man, what, you know, all these people, they all go to church, oh, no, 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 no. But once they received something from this church, whether it was they were in here for a baptism, or they were here for a wedding, or they were here for, a, you know, a, a handout or whatever, you know, clothing, I became their pastor. They only hear that one time. But they remember me because I'm in their grill. And, and you know, that's just the thing. It's like, oh, wow. You know, that's their pastors. They think they're okay. I'm, that's my church. He's my pastor. And I'm like, what? You see, again, the people thought that God's not going to say this stuff about us. No way. As a matter of fact, the false teachers are preaching peace and safety. Now, let me, let me just bring this to you. If you were to hear, and this is where some movements get kicked off. If you were to hear that church is growing, you go, why are they growing? What's going on over there? I mean, they're just busting at the seams. What's going on over there? And the guy, you go up there and you hear, oh, man, you know nothing about sin. You hear everything about prosperity, how you can double down your money, you no know, blackjack tables involved. And you're getting this, this, this message that, oh, life is, you know, great, fantastic, which it is in Christ, but I think you get what I'm trying to say. And, and all of a sudden, you come to this place and you say, well, what's the real deal here? All right, they're growing because, wow, that's just growing. Maybe that's the gospel. Maybe that's what we're missing over Calvary. Maybe, you know what I mean? It's, no, 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 no. Don't be enamored by that, man. People flock with their emotions to places like this. We want to be led of the Spirit. And because they didn't like what they heard, they arrested Jeremiah. Verse 12, then Jeremiah spoke to all the princes and all the people saying, the Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against the city and all the words that you have heard. Now, therefore, amend your ways and, and your doings and obey the voice of the Lord your God. Then the Lord will relent concerning the doom that he has uh, pronounced against you. And as for me, here I am in your hand. Do with me uh, as seems good and proper to you. But know for certain that if you put me to death, you will surely bring uh, innocent blood on yourselves, on the city, on, the, on its inhabitants. For truly the Lord has sent me to you to speak all these words in your hearing. <laughs> you do what you feel fit. 
to do. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do what the Lord has called me to do. So Jeremiah is this messenger and of the Lord, and the people, they don't want to listen. But understand this. You're always going to have to deal with the message, though you slay the messenger, right? The message is always going to be there. And don't think that it's too far off from today as well, because churches today that, you know, the, or I should say the church, when it started, started with persecution in the book of Acts. Just, you read through there. And I'm sure that it would only be increase of time when these things happen again today with those who are going to stay true to the word. You're going to stay true. You're going to find out there's going to be persecution and opposition. Now, if you start mentioning judgment, people are going to turn. They're going to be out of there like no tomorrow. But we can't be ashamed of the gospel. We can't be ashamed. We got to be true to the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ died for our sins. Yeah, I get that. But the gospel is that he paid a penalty so we wouldn't have to. I get that. But what did he save us from? The wrath that is to come. We're saying, I don't have to pay that penalty. I can never, Hebrews tells us, we can never pay that penalty. And so Jeremiah was crystal clear on the message. It was from God. And that they, the, the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem, they weren't going to be able to escape the Lord's chastening. And so as far as Jeremiah said, he says, listen, my hands are in hand, my life is in the hands of God. And you're going to do whatever you want to do with it. It's all right with me because I know God's got me. And that's, that's the idea that I think you and I need to carry with us in this world. Again, it's to understand that no matter what happens to us, that we're not to fear the enemy. We're not to live in fear on anything. Now, I think there's a lot of fear tactics going along uh, today. But we're, we're to only fear him. Remember what Jesus said, spe speaking on the fear of God. He says, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy the, both the soul and the body. See, the false teachers arrested Jeremiah, and they're going to put him in prison. They're, they want to kill him. But Jeremiah wasn't afraid because he knew that he was doing the work of the Lord. I mean, that takes faith, right? Does it not? Because faith, trusting God, doing what God wants us to do. If we don't know that God, what God wants us to do, we'll just be pushed aside. I don't know. Maybe he didn't want me there. Maybe he wants me here. Ah, maybe, maybe well, I'll go over Well, and we become useless in a sense. But, but the enemy wants us to be like that. He wants us to have fear in our hearts, fear in our lives. But see, fear immobilizes people. And fear immobilizes a servant of God. And it plays right in the hands of Satan and Satan's plan. You see, your boss may tell you not to speak religious things at work. Right? The media will try, tell you a lot of fear factors in your life. There's a lot of trying to scare you. And you may need, uh, you may read some of the laws that, that are manipulated and the things that are happening to try and get you and I to stop speaking the truth. And what is your response? What is your response going to be? I, I didn't know in Jerusalem, we were in the old city. And I didn't know you weren't supposed to, I wasn't proselytizing, I was sharing the gospel. <laughs> and uh, the, the people were in line, we were going to walk through Hezekiah's tunnel, and I was up there, and I uh, uh, saw, I think the Lord led me to him. And so I walk across the little pathway and up the thing, and I'm sitting down by this person and talking about Jesus. I didn't know you weren't supposed to do that. I played dumb. I didn't play dumb, I am, well, never mind. So all these things and more, these fear, fear tactics, they're only going to try and get you and I to, to hold back on, on what the message is, the only way to be saved. Don't let, the, don't let the enemy, don't let the world, I don't care how the enemy's dressed up, you know, don't let them put the fear into the factor. Don't let them do that. You see, or don't let them tell you that Jesus isn't coming. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. And then don't let them tell you about the judgment, or the message that judgment isn't coming. See, there are some that are hungry for the truth and many who may not be. But we have to be just as faithful to those who are wanting to hear, will want to hear, might want to listen, act like they're listening, or, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll listen, or even those who don't want to listen. We have to be just as faithful. We're just scattering seed, watering the, watering the ground. And then look at Jeremiah in, in verse... Uh, 16, so the princes, this is the officials and all the people, said to the priests and the prophets, this man does not deserve to die, for he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. 
And now, amazing, because here it seems that the people and the city officials, they, they see, uh, we're going to get with the religious leaders and see that Jeremiah, he's not that bad of a dude. I mean, you know, we need to convince these guys. And they work on it. And they're convincing him that Jeremiah's life should be spared. But sadly, if you think about it again, these guys should be leading. But they're being influenced by the people in the right way in this thing. But they're not leading. They're not, you know, they're, they're listening to the majority they're, they're not the influence that they should be. Look at verse 17. <coughs> it says, <coughs> excuse me. Then certain of the elders of the land rose up and spoke to, to all the assembly of the people, saying, Micah of Moresheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and spoke to all the people of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins, and the mountains of the temple uh, like a bare hill in the forest. This is the warning of destruction, right? And, and he's talking about Jerusalem. He's talking about everything that they had their hopes in. And it says, but listen, did Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all, all Judah ever put him to death? Oh. He, uh, did he not fear the Lord and, and seek the Lord's favor? And the Lord relented concerning the doom which he had pronounced on them. But we are doing great uh, great evil, <clears throat> excuse me, evil against ourselves. So this is a quote from Micah chapter 3, verse 12. And it indicates that Micah made this similar cry against the city, against the, the temple, against the forest, against the things some 70 years earlier. And, and the people there were seeking to, put, uh, seeking to put Micah to death, but King Hezekiah listened. This is what these people weren't doing. He listened and then he responded. He sought the Lord for favor and said, you know what? This is true. Just registered. We got to stop this. And in response to Hezekiah's request of God, uh, it didn't, they didn't have that disaster. It wasn't predicted. It didn't come on them that was predicted by Micah because they made the right changes. Fast forward 70 years later, these people aren't listening. And they haven't been listening. But they remember, oh, if you would just turn from your wicked ways, you know, we would just turn from our, our wicked ways. And so the people and the leaders are hoping the same thing is going to happen for them. You know, you'd hope that they would learn from history, right? But the failure to follow Hezekiah's example was going to bring this disaster upon Judah. And don't get this confused. You know, God's not looking to just punish for the sake of punishing. That's not what he does. He wants all to come to him. He wants people to come and live out a life of grace and mercy. And that's not a secret sense of the message. I mean, I don't know what it is. You talk about come, freely come. You know what I got to do? No, just come. It's incredible. Come to me. Verse 20 says, now there were also, uh, there was also a man who prophesied in the name of the Lord Uriah, the son of Shemaiah of kirjath Jerim, who prophesied against the city and against the land, according to all the words of Jeremiah. And so this, you know, this kind of brings some good news that you're, you know, you're not all alone. And it's always good to hear that you got somebody else out there. You got somebody else in your back. But, uh, you know, again, uh, the good news for a minute and the sad the next. Persecution, Uriah flees. Look at verse 21. And when Jehoiakim, the king, and all his mighty men and all the princes, hear, the, hear his words, uh, the king sought to put him to death. But when Uriah heard it, he was afraid and fled and went to Egypt. And then Jehoiakim sent, uh, the king sent men to Egypt, Elnathan, the son of Achbor, uh, the other the other men, and the other men who were with him in, uh, uh, to Egypt. And they brought Uriah from e Egypt and brought him back to, brought him to Jehoiakim, the king, who killed him with a sword and cast his body, uh, his dead body, into the graves of the common people. Nevertheless, in the land of Ahikim, uh, the son of Shaphan, uh, was with Jeremiah. So they would uh, not give him into the hands of the people and put him to death. So here you have Jeremiah has the support of Ahikim of Shaphan, Elijah. Sadly dies, you don't, sad, the king goes after him. But interestingly enough, this, um, the son of Shaphan, Ahikim, um, 
He played a major role in the last years of, of Judah. Uh, Shaphan, let me just read you. Shaphan was uh, King Josiah's secretary. He was the one who reported in 2 Kings bringing the law to Josiah. And according to Wolverd, uh, he says Shaphan was at least three, or excuse me, the, the least, had at least uh, four sons, three of whom were mentioned in a positive way by Jeremiah. The fourth was Jezaniah. He was the black sheep of the family. And he was the one who Ezekiel caught by surprise doing what he was doing, idol worshiping in the temple. And then Ahikim's son, Jedaliah, um, was appointed governor of Judah by Nebuchadnezzar in the fall of uh, Jerusalem. So here you have this guy, Uriah, was killed. Another man of the truth. He was killed, but the, the Lord had another man there to protect Jeremiah from harm. And so I do understand that things today are becoming more and more difficult, more and more threatening for us to stand for truth. But you see these guys that have paved the way for us. These guys, I think, are the disciples, the apostles. These guys who would stand for the truth. And then you get, again, as I mentioned, you get so-called hate crimes that are coming out, hate crimes on the radar and all this stuff. You know, they don't want to hear the truth. They want to hear about the truth of Jesus. But the question is for you and I, once again, when we look at this, is how far, how straight, how strong are we going to stand on the truth? You know, like we were singing, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. What are we going to do? And today, it's just not my responsibility. Look, I can keel over tonight and have a heart attack. I'll be with the Lord by the morning. What are you going to do? What are we going to do collectively? I mean, it takes, it's just not a one-man show. And so you have all these guys that are in there and they're speaking the truth and they're standing straight. They're standing strong for the word. And I'm sure that you have heard of this even because this is the days that we're living in. Five days ago at our state's capital, they had what was called a satanic conduct. You guys hear that? Well, nobody heard of that, huh? Huh, interesting. See, there was a state capital, or there was a state, a satanic conduct, a ritual on the capital uh, steps in the 2020 legislation session. Foxnews.com reported it. In June 7th, 2013, so about six years ago, it's almost seven years ago, According to the website report from News 13, the event uh, was to celebrate the new moon on the astronomical midnight at 1.08 a.m. You guys hear about that? It's called the Midnight Cruise. In the Midnight Cruise, they have this special hour and mixer on the way to Bainbridge. And they have this, on the way back, they have this thing called a pact with the devil. And the ritual pact with the devil is performed on this upper deck about... At 1.08 a.m. This is all satanic stuff. It's not like black magic. It was worse than black magic. It's satanic stuff. But that's the days and age that we're living in. And the purpose of the event, according to the website, was because one of the people, and several of them, but one of them was pointed out saying, um, why, why is this taking place? And it says, because we are wicked. And they said, hail to Satan. This is the day and age we're living in. So if they're standing on the state capitol speaking this kind of stuff, what is the church doing? What are we doing? We informed? But would we stand? Would we, you know what I mean? Would we join in prayer? And, you know, when you think about the corporate, the corporation going forward and the, the body of Christ, wait, we need some direction, you know? And as the pastor and the leaders will come together and pray, we need the people to pray because God may be speaking to me, but he's trying to corral us all. And he may be speaking to you too, and he wants to corral us all for the work get, to motivate us, to get us set up. To, what is it that we're doing? What is it that's going on? You know, what is the next step? Now, these things are taking place. And, and then you see in the public schools, it's crazy. The kindergartners, are, they're teaching that, you know, the, gender, gender, whatever. You just pick and choose whatever you want. What are we doing? And don't think that this is just big city stuff because it's right around the corner here. You can look out in the hills. This stuff is infiltrated all over the place. See, we're called, you and I are called to stand for the truth. Somebody's got to be a beacon. Somebody's got to be a beacon of light in this world. And understand this. Even better than Jeremiah, I love this, even better than Jeremiah having a hikim 
you know, that was there to save him. Just understand, no matter what we go through, as long as we're, we're on the truth, we're with Jesus, we always have Jesus. He will never leave us nor forsake us. As we get started in chapter 27, I'm going to point something out to you really quick. How many have the NIV version? Anybody here? Okay, there's one, couple, couple. New King James, definitely going to heaven, okay? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Listen, some of your Bibles here will say this. I'm going to point this out because this is a, not a, an error in the Bible. It's a transcribal error. But in the beginning, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, you see that? So all of you have the New King James, or the King James says Jehoiakim, doesn't it? Right? See, and people will say, wait a second, if we were in a home group here, we'd be talking about, we got a problem. <laughs> it's a scribal error. It points back to being Zedekiah, being the right king that is brought on here. And it's going to go on continuing talking about Zedekiah. So no need to worry. <laughs> in the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, which is, excuse me, let me rephrase that. In the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, the word came <clears throat> to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord, the Lord to me, Make for yourself bonds and yokes, and put them on, on, on your neck. And send them to the king of Edom, and the king of Moab, and the Ammonites, and Tyre, and the king of Sidon, uh, by the hand of the messengers who come to Jerusalem, to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and command them to say to their masters, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Thus you shall say to your masters, I have, made the, I have made the earth, the man, the beast, and all that are in the ground by my great power, by my outstretched arm, and have given it to whom it seemed proper to me. And now I have given all these lands into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant. Again, you might want to underline that. Even Babylon can be the servant of God because he's his puppet king, he's his vassal. And the, and the beast of the field, I have given, I've also given to him uh, to serve him. So all the nations shall serve him and his son and his sons uh, until the time of his land comes. And then many nations and, uh, and great kings shall make him serve them. Now, what's interesting about this as the Lord tells Jeremiah to go and put a, make a yoke, put it around you. And all these kings that I mentioned in here, the Edom, Moab, the Amorites, Sidon, Tyre, all of them are gathering together. And he's going to put this yoke on him. Now the question might be, why are they gathering together? What's happening in, in Jerusalem? Remember, he's a puppet king to, uh, to uh, Babylon and to King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, they're gathering together because um, Nebuchadnezzar is fighting another front. There was a coup against him, and he's coming against this, fighting this coup. So uh, King Zedekiah feels that, hey, you know what? Let's get the secret meeting. Let's get all the kings together. And what we'll do is we'll go against this. It's a good time to get Nebuchadnezzar right now, right now. Let's get him. And we can get our freedom back. So it was an attempt to, uh, to get their freedom back because they had been taken uh, captivity, in a sense, surrounded by and governed by Babylon. And so they thought this is a good time to be set free. But listen, they to remember something. It doesn't matter how weak the enemy might look or preoccupied he might look. Speaking of Babylon here, King Nebuchadnezzar, the problem was that Hezekiah and all of his people, doesn't matter how many he had, they weren't fighting against Nebuchadnezzar. They were fighting against God. They are fighting against the hand of God. See, God was using Nebuchadnezzar as a, as a uh, chastening rod. He was using him as that big 52-inch belt. Remember that? Your dad would, my dad, I don't know if your dad did it. Bam, he snapped that belt. Babylon was that chastening rod. And so Nebuchadnezzar was having a secret meeting to overthrow Babylon. And the Lord said, hey, uh, Jeremiah, I want you to go put a yoke around your neck, and I want you to walk in there, and I want you to make a very visual presentation to them. Look at verse 8, and it shall be that the, king, that the nations and kingdoms which, you, uh, which will not serve Nebuchadnezzar and the king of Babylon, remember we've heard this before too, but he says uh, the king of Babylon and which will not put its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, that nation I will punish. 
says the Lord, with the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and I have, until I have consumed them by his hand. Now remember, <clears throat> the problem was that Jerusalem had to pay a debt, 70 years. 490 years, they hadn't given the land rest. They were going to pay that, that debt to the Lord. And because of this, they weren't going to get away with it. It doesn't matter what your motives are or how much you think you're going to sneak out of it. Listen, if, if, if you are going through something tonight, you're going through a, a time where God's got you. He's chastening you. Could be, very well so. I, I would suggest this. Don't try and finagle your way out of it. Surrender to God. Say, God, you know what? Mi culpa. My fault. I, I shouldn't be doing this. I mean, I shouldn't. And just surrender to the Lord. Confess it to the Lord. Turn from it. Say, God, whatever I got to go through, just help me to get through it. Because there are times when God is chasing me, and I'm like, man, I tried to finagle my way out of that one, got myself in a worse mess. Just go through it. But understand that he's sovereign. He wants, he wants us uh, to go through, if, if need be, times that we might keep our eyes upon him. Remember what the psalmist said, before I was afflicted, now I keep your word. I went astray, but now I keep your word. You see, there are times when God says, man, you know what? I need you right here, not over there. I'm doing all this stuff. I need you right here. I need you right here. So this is this um, wasn't just a warning for Judah and Hezekiah. It was a warning for the pagan nations as well. All those guys who were in there. Look at what Jeremiah is telling them. Therefore, verse nine: Do not listen to your prophets, the diviners, the dreamers, the soothsayers, or your sorcerers, who speak to you, saying, "You shall not serve the king of Babylon." Look at that. I don't know how big you think you are, guys, but we we gonna go after him. We got him. Uh, no, you don't. For they prophesy a lie to you to remove you far from the land, and I will drive you out, and you will perish. But the nations shall bring their necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him. I will. This is the Lord. The Lord's in charge of all this. I will let them remain in their own land, says the Lord, and they shall till it and dwell in it. Jeremiah told them, listen, not to listen to these false prophets, for the people of Judah, you pagan guys, don't listen to your soothsayers and all these pagan gods in your spiritual ways because you're all going down. It doesn't matter what you trust in, God Almighty, His Son Jesus Christ has the final word. You, know, you can look at any of the news stations about any wars. You know what's interesting about this uh, coronavirus? The, the most deaths, do you know where the most, most deaths are? Iran. Most cases right there. I, I don't know why I thought of that and wanted to throw it. But I'm just saying, yeah, it's interesting. Okay, back to the study. Now, there's, there's, there's one God overall. He has the say. I don't get nervous when the kings are rising, North Korea fires a missile up, and they go, oh, no, we got to be shaking. They ain't getting me to shake. I got Jesus, man. I don't know about you, but I'm secure. I'm safe in his hands. Amen. Look at it. So we go out of the nuclear waste. I'm all right with that. Because I'll, you know, a couple of breaths, I'll be sucking on that stuff so hard that, you know, <laughs> I'll be with Jesus in no time. Oh, let's just get out of here. However you want to take it. So listen to the message. <coughs> this, <coughs> excuse me, to Zedekiah. Verse 12. I also spoke to Zedekiah, king of Judah, according to all these words, saying, Bring your necks under the yokes of the king of Babylon. And serve him and his people and live. Uh, why will you die? And, your, and your, you and your people by the sword, by the famine, by the pestilence. And the Lord uh, has spoken against the nations that will not serve the king of Babylon. It's their choice, whatever you're going to do. But it's, it's your choice. You can surrender to God's plan or not. Therefore, verse 14, do not listen to the words of the prophets uh, who speak to you saying, you shall not uh, serve the king of Babylon for they prophesy a lie to you for I have not sent them, says the Lord. Huh? Yet they prophesy a lie in my name and I may drive you out that you may perish and you and the prophets who prophesy against you. So God's telling him, you know what? Uh, the Lord, Jer Jeremiah, delivered the same message to Zedekiah and the same message that, that is constant is one, you better surrender. You better bow your neck. Take that yoke and put it under Babylon's yoke. Put your head under there because he's going to take you away. You're going to be a vassal. He's going to be your king. You're going to be a vassal king. You'll be able to stay in your land, though. If that makes any sense. 
You can stay in your land, but you're, you're going to be judged. I mean, it's not just the way it is. So the other part of Jeremiah's message was the warning not to trust the false prophets. It doesn't matter who they were, pagan false gods or whatever. And then listen to the message to the people and the priests. Also, I spoke to the priests and the people saying, thus says the Lord, do not listen to the words of your prophets who prophesy to you. Behold, saying, behold, the vessels of the Lord's house will now shortly be brought back from Babylon. For they prophesy a lie to you. Do not listen to them. Serve the king of Babylon and live. Why should this city be laid waste? But if they are prophets and if the Lord, excuse me, if the word of the Lord is with them, let them now make intercession to the Lord of hosts that the vessels which are left in the house of the Lord, in the house of the king of Judah and at Jerusalem, do not go to Babylon. So the people needed to understand this. They were being told that the articles of the house of the Lord would soon return. Don't worry about it. Everything's going to be okay. The false prophets were giving a false hope. That's the bottom line. There are a lot of people out there that are giving false hopes. We have 66 books that contain truth. And we need to speak, preach it as that. And we need, to, we need to hold it up against whatever we hear others saying. Just get it from the, the, the word. Now, Jeremiah... And, and told them, uh, he told them otherwise. He said, your false prophets, they needed to understand that judgment is coming, not, not, uh, not peace, as you might think. And so verse 19, it says, for thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the pillars, concerning the sea, concerning the carts, and the, <coughs> concerning the remainder of the vessels that um, remained in the city, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, did not take when he carried away captive Jeconiah, uh, the son of Jehoiakim, uh, king of Judah from Jerusalem to Babylon and all the nobles of Judah and Jerusalem. Yes, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning the vessels that remain in the house of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah and of Jerusalem, they shall be carried away to Babylon and they shall, uh, and there they shall be until the day I visit them. So I'll take care of this, says the Lord. Then I will bring them up and restore them to this place. Mike, why don't you come up and get ready to lead us in worship and take communion. Listen, as I close with this. Pagan nations had been stealing from the temple and from the house of God for a long time. Articles that were set aside, used by God, right? For God's glory, for God's purpose. And they had been stolen. In 2 Kings, it tells us that uh, the bronze pillars that were in the house of the Lord and the carts and the bronze sea uh, that were in the house of the Lord, the Chaldeans broke in pieces. They carried the bronze uh, to Babylon. They also took away the pots, the shovels, the trimmers, the spoons, all these things, right? And they took them away. And then it says the fire pans and all of this, the captains of the guards took away. So, I mean, they were just depleting it. The world was depleting the things of God. I want to just apply this, you know, I think in a very practical way before we take communion, and it's this. I'm sure that you've heard a lot of the judgments of Jeremiah in the last 13 weeks or however many weeks you've been in it so far. A lot of judgment, a lot of judgment. What are, what are we going to do with this? The application I see in this is this. How much of the pagan world will you and I allow to steal from us that belongs to the Lord? How much of this pagan world are you and I going to allow to take captive that belongs to God? We are a holy vessel. How, what about our devotional life? You know, what about our, our faith, trusting in God? How much is the pagan world, you know, taken from that? Or our prayer, being on fire for Jesus, or being faithful, or our service to him. How much has the pagan world come in and taken from us? That's kind of what we see here. The pagan kings taking the things of God captive and not being used for the Lord. They were set apart. It's like you and I are set apart. Set apart for the Lord. We're vessels. And we're vessels that he purchased even though we live in this world. We're not to be of this world. And you and I tonight, just to think of that in mind. Keep that in mind. We have communion. Mike's going to lead us in a song. And we'll have communion up here. We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's Word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time, and remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.